Hi, everyone. My name is Era, and I'm the co-host of the Tamil Innovator Spotlight, and I'm uh, bringing you July's edition with uh, all the way over from Singapore, where it's currently very early in the morning with Prakash Somasandram, and a uh, very interesting um, entrepreneur. He's a silly entrepreneur. He's had an exit, um, and he's currently, just like a lot of people, in the interesting world of Web3. Um, he is a CEO and co-founder of Engine Starter. Um, so, Prakash, I won't take up too much of your thunder. So why don't you let people know who are kind of listening in uh, in terms of, you know, a bit about your background? Sure. Uh, thanks. Thanks for having me on, Ara. Um, so, yeah, my name is Prakash. Uh, I'm based here in Singapore. Um, Slonis by descent. My dad was uh, born here. So that makes me um, second gen. Um, I'm 45 uh, with two young kids. Uh, seven and nine, uh, and yeah, love to share more about my business journey with you today, uh, and also hopefully use this as an opportunity to inspire others uh, who are listening. Yeah, I know for sure, and I think you're obviously in an interesting space where a lot of talent and just resources and just energy are going towards. So, uh, but before we get into you know obviously the Web three part of your journey, um, you know obviously I want to get into Yoke very briefly just because you know I think it was um, like a something you worked on for 12 plus years you know there was an acquisition which is always nice after working on something so much so tell us a little bit quickly about I guess what Yoke was and then you know how you were able to stick it out for 12 years until that exit happened and then how that acquisition actually happened as well with WPP. Sure um, so the genesis of uh, Yoke was actually a very from a very dark uh, place uh, I had left school and started a company during the dot-com uh, period uh, also in the same business, it was called Angel Dynamics, uh, and we were very focused on building uh, websites uh, for other dot-com companies. So we were providing a service, uh, you know, got together a few people uh, who were very talented, uh, and we kind of converted, um, you know, corporate literature into uh, web content. Uh, but of course, you know, when the dot-com burst, uh, you know, we, we followed suit very, very closely. Uh, and that's where, you know, I went into like four months of depression, um, you know, Dean shave, uh, just didn't want to go out, right? I, I mean, I literally lost uh, a baby. Uh, and, you know, because you're so early in business, you kind of define who you are with what you are doing. Uh, and that was a very, very tough period. Um, and then a couple of months later, um, you know, I found the energy and found the motivation uh, to get out of that dark place. Uh, found a new group uh, of partners to kind of get along with. Uh, and that's kind of when we started uh, Yoke. Uh, literally the day that we started the company was in September 11, 2001. Uh, my brother uh, was uh, studying in New York. Uh, he was calling me and, you know, he's saying, um, everything is looking so dark and what are you doing? And I was like, oh, you know, I'm starting a new company. Uh, but what kind of motivated me to start Yoke, um, you know, was something around creativity. Uh, we felt that regardless where the, the economy is, whether it's a recession or whether it's a bull market, uh, there will always be a need for creative solutions. Uh, and that's kind of where we pushed ourselves uh, to be at the forefront of technology, always embracing uh, new developments, um, trying out new um, technologies, new hardware, um, and that's kind of what defined uh, Yoke. Uh, but of course, you know, it was a roller coaster of a ride for about 10 years uh, before we were acquired. 
by WPP, uh, which is the largest uh, communication network uh, globally. Uh, we became part of Grey Advertising. Um, so if you watch um, the series Mad Men, uh, I think it's in episode two, they will actually mention uh, Grey Advertising. Uh, and we became the uh, digital uh, outfit for Southeast Asia. Uh, and that was uh, kind of our journey uh, from start uh, to exit. Uh, and then I stayed on for about three and a half years post-acquisition uh, before I came out um, uh, and I went on a sabbatical for a year uh, before I actually started getting deeper into the startup space. And during, you know, that roller coaster of a ride, you know, for almost 12 years, obviously you had a successful outcome, which is very rare, regardless of size or whatever it is, like just having that outcome is very rare. So at any point before you got to that successful exit, did you, were you contemplating shutting it down or just giving up or just moving on to something else? Or were you like, I'm going to stick this out until the very end? No, you know, constantly we'll be sitting under the tree, literally, and, you know, figuring out, um, are we going to give up or are we going to uh, continue? Um, in the early days, especially because we started during a recession, uh, it was really tough uh, getting work. Um, and uh, there were months that we couldn't pay ourselves. Um, and that was very, very challenging. Uh, but during those periods, especially during the tough periods, we constantly reminded ourselves that we were living our dream. Uh, and that opportunity to actually define what that dream was and, you know, the terms that we want to live life on uh, was the motivating factor uh, for us. Uh, but I think as an entrepreneur, you kind of build this superhero power of having a very thick skin. Uh, and that kind of pushes you on to, you know, um, you know, ask more people for help, uh, continuously knocking on doors, even though uh, doors get uh, slammed on you, literally. Uh, and that's one way that we kind of pushed ourselves. But it was never easy. Um, and there were constantly times that uh, we wanted to give up or join, uh, you know, full-time work and maybe kind of do that uh, on the side. Uh, but because we also did it as a team, uh, we could collectively motivate uh, ourselves. And one person is down, you know, the rest of the team will come up and pick each other up. Uh, and that's kind of how we maintain our sanity. Well, that's awesome. Well, I'm glad you stuck it out because we're here today. Um, so, like, obviously, after this exit, you, you know, you did a number of different things, advisory roles, working on different projects. And then, you know, as many people these days are just like many people in the world of entrepreneurship, Web3 is where you landed uh, in terms of um, creating a new company. So I guess maybe uh, talk before you talk about Nstarter, like what got you excited about Web3 and even like pursuing and creating something in this world? Sure. Um, so following my exit, um, you know, um, I, I started getting a lot more involved in the startup ecosystem. Uh, I was involved with ecosystem development as well as I was helping other companies uh, raise capital uh, as well as helping them plan their exit, right? Uh, one of the key things is that people rush into starting a business because they're excited about an idea, about it. they are passionate about solving a problem, but no one really plans uh, how is it that they are going to be doing an exit. Uh, and that's the area that I decided to start focusing a lot on. Uh, in 2016, I was fortunate to be part of a roll-up IPO that we did uh, in NASDAQ uh, in Sweden. Uh, and that, again, showed me the way that, um, you know, we can leverage capital markets uh, in new and innovative ways towards uh, raising capital. 
uh, that journey kind of led me into um, uh, the blockchain space. Um, and uh, my brother was one of the early adopters of Bitcoin as a form of payment here in Singapore. I kind of saw uh, that journey that he went through. Uh, and uh, I, I wasn't participating. I wasn't actually buying Bitcoin as early as uh, my brother. Uh, but that's when I started getting um, more and more into crypto. Uh, it started out by us helping other projects organize events uh, here in Singapore uh, that later on led on to investment opportunities. I did my own uh, ICO. And again, you know, it's a, another a wilder roller coaster ride, uh -huh. right? Um, in the early days of um, crypto and blockchain, um, you know, you meet all kinds of people, uh, some with good intention, some bad actors. Um, and, you know, every day is a fresh day, right? Um, and that was the journey that kind of led me uh, to where I am today, uh, which is a lot more focused um, on Web3. Uh, so I started Engine Starter. Uh, we're a launchpad uh, that's focused on blockchain gaming, um, entertainment, as well as the metaverse. Uh, we started the company in April last year. Um, we raised um, uh, some money on uh, tokens uh, and we actually got into the business uh, and we identified companies that we want to invest in. Uh, we put a small token in them uh, and then once um, we have invested, <laughs> excuse me, uh, we help them raise capital. We help them with community acquisition. Uh, and once they're ready, uh, we put them on our platform and our community participates. Uh, and actually help them uh, invest uh, and then kind of grow the business from there. So you're almost like an incubator of sorts for promising yeah, so companies. Now we're, we're an accelerator with a Kickstarter-like uh, platform, uh, but we also do have an incubator arm uh, where we get involved with projects, even at a pre-seed level. Uh, and this is where we have to hold a lot of hands uh, and kind of help them uh, grow, um, you know, from from zero to hero. Got it. And, you know, how are you, like, what, are, what, what kind of sentiment are you seeing in, like, the community you've built and, like, the companies that you're helping to grow with, obviously, the current climate with um, crypto? Like, I mean, everyone always focuses on price. That's part of the value proposition. But it is yeah. a natural conversation starter where, you know, you're at not, you know, the all-time lows, but you know, I think it's like down 60, 70% from like- Easily, you know, easily. We're, we're yeah, we're definitely in a very dark period. Uh, it is a bear market. Uh, there's a lot that's going on. Even our own token is down 60, 70%, like what you mentioned. Uh, but honestly, um, this is a period that we actually embrace. Um, you know, we are in this for the long term. Uh, this particular period allows us to actually operate in a more stable state. Um, you know, running a business in a bull market, a lot of things happen very quickly. And sometimes you're kind of forced to make decisions, um, you know, at the, in split seconds, right? Uh, and sometimes we may not do the necessary due diligence before we actually make some of those investment decisions. At this point in time, it's a lot easier to hire. It's a lot easier to get partnership. Everyone has a lot more time. Um, so it's actually a perfect uh, opportunity for us to build. Uh, and that's what primarily my team uh, has been focusing on. This also kind of helps us weed out the projects that are serious uh, and kind of put that energy and focus and capital into those projects, help them build out during this period. And when the tide rises, uh, you know, we'll rise with them.
Yeah, there's that saying in um, in crypto, which is this is the time that defines who are the tourists and who are the settlers, like who's here for the long run and who's just here for like a good time. Um, And if you look historically, like what's happening in the world of crypto blockchain, like the same thing happened when the internet started where they got the dot-com boom. But right after that is when some of the best companies of our generation were created because of exactly what you said. You know, projects were done a bit more carefully. (laughs) Talent might've been easier to kind of acquire capital, you know, all, all that good stuff. So, um, so I, I guess in terms of engine start, like uh, engine start, I, I know you kind of described that as a combination of different things. Um, you chose specifically, I mean, you're marketing that's almost an entertainment company in blockchain, but part of that is gaming. And one of the things or challenges that um, crypto has with mainstream adoption is getting a lot of people to use it. And gaming seems to be that one thing a lot of people think would be it's going to create that breakthrough for mainstream adoption of crypto. Is that one of the reasons why you started the company? Is that something that you think is actually going to be true? Sure. Um, so we started uh, Engine Starter and, and why we're called Engine Starter uh, is um, uh, primarily because Engine, uh, which is our early investor, uh, they are one of the OGs uh, in the blockchain gaming space. Uh, and blockchain gaming was a very hot trend uh, last year. Uh, it all began because of this concept of play to earn, uh, and it became a solution during the pandemic period where people were kind of stuck at home uh, and there was no form of employment and they started spending a lot more time in these games and they could actually earn uh, income uh, and that helped them replace a lot of the lost income uh, that a lot of people were going through. Um, but that was just kind of where things started, right? Um, so everyone started getting into uh, the space uh, to make um, you know a side hustle, uh, but now we're starting to see a lot more uh, trends popping up. Things like move to earn, uh, where it's packed around your fitness, and you actually start to earn crypto. <clears throat> and I think it all reflects where we are from a society or humanity perspective, because we are literally just coming out of a pandemic. Uh, we all now can. Uh, have freedom, we can actually go out, we can travel. uh, And, you know, mapping to that lifestyle is where a lot of these startups are riding on certain trends or micro trends that are happening. Uh, One reason why we decided to focus on gaming is that it's got uh, entertainment value, right? And that's very recession proof. A lot of other businesses, um, you know, when the markets are down, people cut the budget. Uh, but, you know, we saw gaming as one of those sticky areas that people would still need to consume. Uh, we see it as very much um, part of like the Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs. Uh, so even if someone loses their job, they're going to be staying at home. They're either going to be on Netflix or uh, playing a game. And that's the space that, you know, we were hoping to enter into. Uh, but we knew also that it's a very new and nascent space. Uh, and we were seeing a transition from Web 2 to Web 3. Uh, and the primary value that Web 3 brings in a gaming perspective is that whatever digital asset that you own, you can actually have full ownership of that and you can potentially bring it from one environment to another environment. Uh, and the last key area is we saw that metaverses were going to be uh, a big trend, right? We saw Facebook renaming themselves. Um, And we believe that um, the metaverse of the future is going to be built on gaming engines. Um, So it's primarily built on, um, you know, Unity or Unreal. 
Uh, and these are engines that are powering game development today. They will eventually um, uh, power metaverses. Uh, and gaming is that key industry that's kind of accelerating our transition um, into the metaverse. Uh, and that's kind of why uh, we're so excited about the space. Uh, we invest in games. Uh, we invest in infrastructure projects. We also invest in NFTs, uh, which again, is a very, very critical component uh, of this transition from Web2 to Web3. Um, so yeah, those are some of the things that we invested. Yeah, you brought up a lot of interesting things about gaming. Like, you know, people already game for hours. And, you know, if you play like World of Warcraft or something like that, it's very hard to, you know, cash in your digital assets. You know, you have to like find some hack around that. Or I think there's a couple of players where it made the news where like Microsoft, I forgot which game, this person spent like hours and hours of their life on this platform and they couldn't, um, you know, actually uh, they, they just lost all their digital assets. So they spent mm -hmm. a lot of money and time and they had nothing to show for it. So I definitely think there's a lot of value in transitioning from web two to web three for gaming for all the reasons you mentioned. Um, I think another thing, actually, before we get into that with Engine Starter, just for like people that will end up listening to this that are not as familiar with, you know, um, how money or revenue in this world works, how how does Engine Starter plan to make money or revenue in the short term and long term? Sure. Uh, so our primary business model is through investments. Um, so we invest anything from 25k to 100k um, into um, these games. Uh, and when we're ready to take an exit, that's where we actually commercialize uh, our investments. Uh, we also do provide advisory to Web2 companies that are looking and coming into Web3. Uh, and we also do work with a, a few large corporates uh, who want to get into Web3 a lot earlier. Uh, we do take a consulting approach uh, where we come up with a blueprint uh, into the various opportunities. So we have multiple sources of revenue opportunities. Um, and, but, you know, at the end of the day, we're an ecosystem builder um, and our intent is to help more people participate in this space. Uh, and that's how we actually secure these allocations. We allow a community to participate in some of these exciting opportunities together with us. Uh, and then everyone gets to benefit from that. Uh, but like any investment, it's high risk uh, and it's high return. Uh, during the bull market last year, um, there were projects that we had uh, put on our platform that even uh, gave our uh, community as, as much as a 40x return uh, on their investment. Of course, all that is gone um, and currently it's all the settlers, right? The squares have clearly left the place. Uh, but, you know, the guys that are with us, they're committed. They're holding on to some of these tokens. They're working very, very closely uh, with our portfolio companies, they organize events both online and offline. Uh, and eventually we believe that the token prices will go up and everyone gets to, um, you know, make some money out of that. So we obviously, there's a lot of positive going on for your company. You raise money, you're building a lot of traction with companies that are part of your ecosystem. Uh, what's maybe like a challenge you're facing at this time that, uh, you know, yeah, what's the challenge you're facing at this time? There's just not enough time in the day to do everything that we want to do. Um, and uh, we're primarily a virtual company. Uh, and we have teammates that are distributed all around the world, from the US to India to Philippines. Uh, so yeah, we're pretty much working 18 hours a day, 
um, and you know, with the whole Zoom culture, you know, you just take um, calls one after one, um, and yeah, there's just not enough time to kind of deliver all the things that we want to do. Uh, and this is where we're actually looking at it more from a collaborative perspective, always inviting people who uh, you know are passionate about what we're building to come and work with us, to collaborate with us, or even just to partner with us, um, you know, for a short time frame, uh, so that we can actually create a lot more things together. Um, are you seeing, like, especially in the world of tech, competition for talent has always been fierce, and Web three is where a ton of talent's going, a lot of money's going there, so. It, I guess my, one of my questions is, is that an issue for you? Or like, are you kind of getting the talent that you want to get? Um, or like, is it just like crazy out there? It's it's definitely crazy out there, but thankfully there's a great resonation that's happening globally. Uh, we are, you know, speaking to people who want to get into Web3, are excited to um, leverage um, the lead that we have in the space. Uh, and to find new ways to kind of work together. But, you know, these days, conversations with uh, potential hires, um, it's not about how long they're going to be uh, with us. It's a lot about what is it that they're going to uh, get from us? What is it that we're going to be able to provide? Uh, and mentally, you can tell that a lot of people are just looking anything from three months, six months, to even two years, right? And no one really looks uh, too far down the horizon when it comes to looking for um, a gig, uh, but I guess, you know, we need to adapt, we need to be uh, nimble to be able to embrace a whole lot of this. Uh, but to answer your question, definitely hiring talent, uh, especially senior talent is tough. We're fighting large companies um, and there's a massive talent uh, crunch there. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a lot uh, tougher. Uh, what we're doing is we're going further downstream um, you know, speaking to the youth, uh, training them. Uh, we're working with partners who have um, conversion programs uh, for developers who are looking at getting into Web3. Uh, and we're working with these guys so that we get access uh, to talent a lot quicker, earlier, and faster. Yeah, I guess with, like you talked about, there's a battle going on for talent. But even like the nature of work is going to be changing, right? Like you talked about DAOs and like, you know, the future of companies might be structured all as DAOs. I mean, I don't know if that'll actually happen and how far away that is. But um, I guess I'm just curious on your thoughts about like the nature of work, because you talked about people not thinking too far ahead and DAOs will enable people to kind of jump into projects and exit and get liquidity fairly easily. Is this something that you think will come sooner than people think? For sure, for sure. But, you know, there, there is still a lot of uh, infrastructure, uh, tools, uh, that needs to be built. Uh, but I clearly believe that, um, you know, DAOs are the future. How soon, uh, it's a bit hard to predict. Um, but I think people will come and work in their terms based on the passion that they have or the interest that they have. Uh, but it's, it's going to be very short engagement before they decide to take a deeper plunge. Uh, and I think it's a win-win for everybody, right? That it, you know, we, we've definitely, the, the, the pandemic really helped us move from, you know, the traditional model where you needed to have a physical office and get the whole team to sit there uh, to the model where, you know, I've not met a bulk uh, of my teammates, right? Because they're all based in uh, another country. Uh, and recently when we actually met them face-to-face, -face, it was such a refreshing um, feeling. Uh, but the reality is, you know, we need to make the mission the boss 
Uh, and every day we constantly look at what is it that we need to do, what are the resources that we need, uh, and we need to look at it from a both um, real world perspective as well as a virtual perspective. Got it. And in the world of Web3, I feel like there's just so much happening so fast and so information overload. So like for me, you know, I constantly try to like there's different YouTube channels, newsletters where I try to consume information to learn. But like for you, are you are you participating in that or are you just heads down focused on what you're doing and kind of focused on your world of gaming and like blockchain? Or are you trying to keep your eyes out and like what other what stuff's happening out there? Yeah, so we constantly attend events. We're constantly doing um, you know, attending webinars like what we're doing today. Uh, in Web3, you know, we're at that phase where every day new things are going to be happening. And if we don't keep up with, uh, we will miss uh, Alpha, right? Um, and, you know, a lot of this is also happening from a very ground up perspective. Uh, it is where we are actually, um, you know, getting into uh, discussions, getting into, you know, um, intellectual conversations where we're collectively uh, looking for solutions. Uh, and I feel that that's primarily where we are today uh, and we constantly need to do that, right? Um, and this is where we start to gather a lot more collective intelligence uh, and the industry kind of evolves uh, from that perspective. And, you know, um, you obviously do a lot with work you know we've talked a lot about that you work here said 18 hour days um how do you i mean i don't like the word but let's just call it balance how do you manage to kind of keep that healthy balance between working you know sleeping staying healthy whatever it is to kind of maintain everything else that's kind of happening in your or life or is that just not possible right now at the stage of company <laughs> i would say that yeah i mean definitely health uh is an important thing uh everything that we're doing is for the kids um, and, you know, if I'm not around, uh, what's the point, right? Um, but, you know, we are in that exciting phase where, you know, we, we run on passion, we run on the energy of others, uh, and we've been doing it without uh, much sleep. Uh, but, you know, it's definitely not uh, ideal, but, you know, it's something that we're going on because we're just so excited about what we're doing. And like I noticed, even outside of like what you do for work, you're you also do a lot of volunteering. I think in 2021, you were uh, av um, awarded the Public Service Medal for your contributions to the Singapore government. So, what what like what is this award about? And like what was the criteria? And like how did you how did your name get put in the pot essentially? Sure. So, but it's exactly a year ago that I actually got that award. Uh, it came with uh, 10 years of service. Uh, to the government. Um, you know, I'm constantly looking at giving back. Um, and one key area uh, that I was supporting is by advising different government agencies on <clears throat> policies, um, you know, digital engagement, which is my area of um, focus. Uh, and I was serving 10 years as the national uh, matchmaker locally in Singapore. I was involved with a organization that was kind of promoting um, you know, healthy marriages, uh, and that's one area of focus that I did, <clears throat> and that's kind of how um, I was given uh, the award after 10 years of service uh, as a recognition of uh, the work that I put through, uh, and it was great uh, to receive it. Um, you know, it's it's always good to be appreciated, and this time being appreciated um, by the country that you are contributing to uh, was, you know, something that I was really happy with. Um, and yeah, there was a bit about that award. 
and, and I guess for you as well, um, like just for people listening, because Singapore, I've been, you know, been there, a beautiful country, very, seems like very business friendly. So with, oh, sure. um, yeah. um, is that one of the reasons kind of why you stayed there so long and like set up your business there? Like, it's, is it because it's very friendly towards business in general or even yeah. blockchain crypto? Like, tell us about that. Yes, I was I was born and bred here, so you know, not lived uh, overseas anything more than three four weeks. Um, so this is home, uh, but definitely um, to answer your question, it's it's definitely the most um, business friendly place that you can. I mean, you can literally start a company online. Um, you know, getting a bank account uh, in traditional businesses is a lot easier. In crypto businesses, not so much. Uh, but it's also kind of this melting pot. Where you know people from all around the world uh, come, uh, you know, with the hope of building businesses, uh, and we've got access uh, to Southeast Asia, where you can travel, um, you know, anything from an hour to thirty minutes. Uh, sorry, uh, three hours. Um, uh, so definitely a lot of access, um, and the government is very very stable. Um, so policies, when implemented, um, you know, tend to stay for quite some time. Uh, so it's a great business environment. Uh, and for the longest time, it's also been a, a, a crypto hub, right? People from all around the world come here uh, for the peace and security uh, that Singapore offers. Um, and yeah, that's, you know, all the key foundations that anyone needs to actually build a successful business. Uh, and that's what I've been fortunate uh, to have. Awesome. Well, the final question is, I guess, with NStarter, you know, um, and I guess yourself as well, like, what do you, you know, looking forward in the next three to five years, what would success look like for both you personally and and, and starter in that time period? Like, Sure. Um, so engine started, like what I mentioned earlier, we are a community builder. Um, and when a community is happy, uh, that's a great success for us. Uh, for me, at the end of the day, uh, we want to expand globally, which is what we are currently uh, building upon uh, so that we can actually create this network uh, of talent, of projects, uh, of investors participating with us. Um, and the way that I see it is, you know, eventually the community will come in uh, to participate. They will come in to invest. They will be uh, playing a bigger role in what we are doing. We're just kind of that catalyst to get this started. Uh, and that's really where we see ourselves. You know, we're working hard every day to make ourselves redundant uh, so that one day the brand uh, lives on its own the community makes those key decisions on what's best for the community uh, and this allows us to actually also invest uh, in as many up-and-coming projects as we can and we get to participate uh, in their growth and their success uh, and that's primarily where we see ourselves um, in, in, in the next five years. Awesome. Well, I mean, gosh, thank you for, you know, joining and sharing your story, um, you know, all from your, you know, the beginning with Yoke and the acquisition to the interesting work you're doing with Web3. If uh, somebody ends up listening to this, whether it's live or, um, uh, you know, after the fact with the, with, the, with the recording, they want to reach out to you because they find your story inspirational. They maybe want to be part of what you're doing at Engine Starter. Um, what's the best way to reach out to you? Uh, you know, I'm, um, LinkedIn would probably be the best, uh, um, you know, uh, it's a good way to get connected. It's a good way for me to kind of understand a bit about their background, their skill sets. Um, and, you know, um, happy to start that conversation, happy to stay connected. 
Um, and, you know, if there's anyone out there who's listening and, you know, they want to begin this journey into Web3 uh, and they want to bounce ideas and maybe validate the ideas that they're looking for, um, definitely reach out uh, to me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'll be happy to spend some time uh, and maybe guide them on the right direction that they need to take uh, and also share some advice uh, on what we've learned in the School of Hard Knocks. Uh, so that they don't need to make the same mistakes that we made. Awesome. I know somebody from the chat, I think Nilu, I think uh, they added you on LinkedIn and they had some interesting comments as well. So I'm sure you'll see some requests coming in, Prakash. <laughs> awesome. Sounds great. Awesome. Well, thank you again for everyone uh, tuning in to the July edition of the Tamil Innovator Spotlight. And thank you again, Prakash. Have a good night, everyone.